Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another special edition of Trade Runner our mini-series featuring Rich Friesen of Mind Muscles Academy that is focusing specifically on trading psychology. In episode one, we discussed measuring what matters and learned all about set scores, how to take stock of our own mental states, how that affects our trading. Episode two, we talked about identifying market moods and observing how our setups perform in those different conditions. In episodes three and four, we focused on persistent trading mistakes and nightmare trading traps how to identify positive intent and ultimately change those behaviors to benefit our trading. Those episodes will all be linked in the episode description, but this month's topic is fear of success. It sounds uh, strange to think that a subconscious fear of doing well would hold us back. Um, can, you, uh, can you explain how that's possible, Rich? Well, I never thought this would be an issue. I mean, never. It's, yeah. I have not had one trader ever approach me and say, Rich, when I get my execution, my strategy honed, and I start making big money, I increase my size, I'm afraid I won't be able to handle success. No. <laughs> right? Believe it or not, not one client has ever come to me with that concern. Not surprised. But when I was building a trading firm, there were traders who were given the same opportunities, had the same methodologies, traded on the same floor, traded in similar pits. And some of them became, oh, I'd say a third of them became very successful. A third of them, well, they did okay. They were all right. Mm -hmm. But a third of them, they just couldn't make it. They just couldn't be profitable. And it turns out that each one of them had an issue around being successful. Hmm. Wow. Uh, okay, I'm looking forward to diving in to seeing exactly what is holding us back. Before we uh, dive into the conversation, though, let's just take a quick moment to remind everybody if they have any comments or anything they want to share with us, they feel free to send that to our email at twobulls at financialineptitude.com or any one of the social channels that we have. And then, uh, Rich, you said that you had some special news to share with us, too. Give you a moment to, to let everyone hear that. Oh, see the news. I've got my audio version of the book, uh, Private Conversation with Money Out. Woo. And also, I've got for the listeners, we've got uh, uh, Fear of Success. And I was going through some guided visualizations this morning that really hit on that and invite you in a very relaxed, hypnotic kind of mode to step into success. And so I put together a package this morning and if they go to conversations.money slash two bulls, uh, we're going to have a, a special deal so they can have all the, the guided visualizations. Oh, that sounds awesome. Is that like the, uh, the, the stepping into your perfect house, into your trading room? That is one of them for sure. I remember that one. <laughs> 
the feeling of touching that doorknob. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just no, I want you to notice that Kyle remembered that and yeah. it stuck. And that's mm-hmm. because the way we did it is, you know, that touching that doorknob became a symbol for stepping into a more powerful trading mindset. Oh, my wife has a, a bunch of old doorknobs that she uh, put together on like a picture frame to make like kind of old rustic uh, decor. I wonder if I can steal that and put that on my desk <laughs> just so I can physically touch the doorknob before I start my day. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, uh, having what you're bringing up is having a physical movement, mm-hmm. a touch to bring you back to a state that you've created in your mind. Boy, that can be really powerful. Mm. You know, we call it uh, an anchor. Right. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, I think we did a guided visualization. Um, oh man, this is probably a year and a half or so ago, and I still remember the the one that you gave me during that. I think it was mm-hmm. a spot on my finger between my finger and my thumb that I rub. Ah, and I still use that. Excellent. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's get into it then. Okay. What I'd like to start with is a quote by Marianne Williamson. It's a famous quote, but it is so well said that I think it's worth repeating again. Hmm. And what she said is, quote, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and famous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. The the fear of our light, not the darkness. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean to you? Well, imagine just for a moment that you were well aware of market moods. You had strategies for each. You were able to, not perfectly, but good enough to be able to apply the right strategy. Your capital was growing, and soon you're trading 100 lots on the futures market. And money is just pouring in regularly. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? to your friends, your community, your relationship with your wife? What's going to happen to your family? What is, how is that going to change your image about yourself down to your core of your image? So what I'm talking about here is being powerful when most of us have been shrinking, been protective. We've been using our survival mechanisms that we've used since childhood. And to all of a sudden be successful at trading and expect all that stuff to disappear? No. We carry that burden with us in the struggle. 
because to step outside of that struggle, well, for example, one of my traders that I had mm -hmm. was struggling. And when under hypnosis, what, what came up was that he had come from a, a poverty background in West Virginia. I mean, real poverty, like, you know, dirt floors and oh, yeah. outhouses. And, but everybody had a big family. There was cousins and uncles and, you know, they'd get together. It was a huge community. And if he stepped into wealth, that would mean, in his own uh, imagination anyway, that he would lose that foundation for his life. Oh, that's probably a realistic fear, too. It is. Because I'm guessing that community probably didn't look very favorably on people who were wealthy or successful either. Yes. So given the messages that you received and that I received around wealth and success, we're going to have those messages and those voices come up. Mm -hmm. So one, what the traders that struggled in my firm, how they managed that was to simply not be successful or just, just enough so they wouldn't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, when successful trading, because it has no upside, I mean, you can trade to one lot, a 10 lot, a 100 lot. You can get up to trading a 1,000 lot. I mean, you can talk about tens of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. That potential is there for all traders. But holy mackerel, can we face that? Can we allow that to be? And we can talk about all the different anchors that keep people from being able to step into that success. No, I think I found one of mine when we were talking pre-show, so I'm excited to, to dive into that and see how that ties in with this. Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay, we can do it now. Um, one of the things that I've noticed, and that I noticed it the first time when I was playing pool, and this was uh, uh, something that I've struggled with a lot. When I play somebody who's worse than I am, I have a hard time closing out the games. I start missing easy shots. I start playing to the level of competition. Mm-hmm. And as I was reflecting on that and thinking more about it, uh, what I've found is that I think I do that in other areas besides just playing pool. Like when I'm doing well and somebody else is struggling, it's really hard for me to continue doing well mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm leaving those people behind and mm, exactly really don't want to leave them behind with, you know, <laughs> like I want to, I want to take everybody with me. And sometimes those people then invitation, they can join you, and sometimes not. So let's just try a little experiment here. Okay. Imagine somebody who, as you're successful, and even more successful, that you will leave behind. Mm -hmm. And it could be even a spouse or a friend or a community or a co-worker. So when you have them in your mind, let me know. I'm trying to decide the best one. I can think of a few. <laughs> Uh, okay, put them together in a group. Okay, all right. That'll work. How many people are in the group? Uh, I got two right now. Okay, great. And try a phrase like this. As I become successful, I invite you to join me. And if you choose not to, I will leave you behind. And as you say something similar to that, notice your physiology and your feelings. Feel a tightness in my chest, mm -hmm. um, like almost anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay, say the words aloud and just practice those words. Uh, I'm sorry, let me... I invite you to... Sorry, what was the, the full phrase again? Let me... Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I sorry. Invite, as I as expand I my success, I invite you to join me. And if you choose not to, I will leave you behind. As I expand my success and grow and develop... I invite you both to come and join me. Mm -hmm. If you choose not to, then I will leave you behind. Ooh, ooh, ah. What was going on? That was uh, almost like a hole opened up in my chest. Yeah. As like a fear of loss. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Oof. So I, I so appreciate you. Because you are expressing something that most of the aspiring traders out there have in their subconscious, but they're not aware of. Mm. So as long as that is there, that feeling in your chest, when you say it and you have that feeling, it is also there as you make successful trades. Just like when you played pool, mm -hmm. easy shots you were, didn't want to leave somebody behind. So this is really critical, Kyle. You're just doing, your awareness mm -hmm. is really opening up some new doors for you right now, this moment. Ooh, so, okay. So how do I come to grips with that? How do I, like, how do well, I, first, how do I allow myself to move forward? Yeah. Well, first with, you know, what our model, our current model is, is awareness. Yeah. Thank you for the awareness. The next is acceptance. Well, I have these subconscious feelings. And my gosh, it's because I'm a nice guy. I want everybody to win. I want everyone to thrive around me. Mm -hmm. And if I thrive and they aren't, oh, it's better to hold back. It almost feels like I'm not doing my job. You're not doing your job. Say more. Uh, as it, the the community that we've created, if I progress and everybody stays behind, then the whole premise of what I've been trying to do kind of starts to fall apart. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the burden that is on your trading, just like in the pool, that pool missing easy shots in mm -hmm. trading? How many ways are there to give it back? <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell a short story on me and one that I still have not emotionally resolved yet. Oh, I've said the words and said the words. I've said them, but I lied them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's from Dr. Zeus. For those of you who have kids <laughs> will recognize that. That's a good quote too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was, um, I had, I was on the board of directors of the Pacific Exchange and in charge of the new product development. Mm -hmm. And I created uh, an index, the Pacific PSE, the Pacific Technology Index. And there was no underlying futures market or stock. So you were trading it, you were really naked because you couldn't hedge. But I, I hedged with the Kansas City Value Line futures. It, that tells you how how long ago this was. <laughs> that was before the S&P or the NASDAQ futures. Oh, uh, okay, okay. And 
So uh, one of the nicest, sweetest guys on the floor. I mean, not a mean son of a bitch like some of them are. Sweetheart, uh, just great guy, great husband. Uh, what he had been doing is just selling premium in the uh, technology index, you know, selling calls and puts. And then the decay every day, he was mm -hmm. making good money. And so that got to him and he was, you know, selling more and more. And then one day the market just took off and ripped. And I don't remember why, but I uh, was watching the Kansas City value line futures and they were getting way ahead of the cash. The cash prices were just so delayed uh, with uh, all the demand that the futures were more accurate. Mm -hmm. So I kept raising the uh, synthetic price on the uh, technology index, which raised the price of the calls. Uh, considerably, I raised the implied volatility, which raised the prices of everything. So he was short everything and really oh, no. started to get squeezed. And so this went on for a couple of hours and the stress he had was just awful. And then I saw the Kansas City value line future start to roll over. Mm -hmm. And I knew, okay, this is it. This is the end. The problem I had was I had raised everything up. Everyone else was trading on the cash price. I was trading off of the differential between the cash and the futures. Mm -hmm. And that means I moved the synthetic. It's complex. But anyway, I my problem was if I didn't move the synthetic down fast enough, arbitragers could come in and I would be you know buying things at too high. But on the other hand, I had this guy who was just stressed. So what did I do? I raised the synthetic even higher, raised the implied volatility higher. And he says, I'm out. And I said, I'll take you out. And at those prices, I just cleaned his entire position. Um, and he went off the floor never to come back. Hmm. Now, I did this deliberately. Mm -hmm. I could have let it ride. So I'm still, as I say this, there's still a part of me that twinges. But if you're going to be in the trading business, everyone is out to take your money. If you have a nice guy attitude, if you want to be a sweetheart and take everybody with you, if you want everybody to do well, and if people who take advantage of you are, you know, use a bad, put in your own bad word there. Right. Um, then that anchor is going to weigh you down. But if you can say, I can take you out, and this is the game we're playing, and that I can leave you behind, and that's not a problem, then you're recutting at least one anchor for your success. Mm -hmm. And I know the people who are listening to this some of them are going to be mad or aghast or, you know, <laughs> going to not like me very much, but that's okay because I am reflecting, at least on the floor exchange, you know, what the real world is like. Yeah. And it turns out I did this guy a gift. He found something else to do that much better suited him. And uh, his world in a couple of years became a lot better than it would have been on the floor where he wasn't, um, wasn't, his personality didn't didn't work well on the floor. Right, right. Hmm. I think part of the problem too is that you don't get to put faces to it anymore. Like, yeah, when you're trading on the floor like that, you make personal connections. You know the guy that you cleaned yep. out. Yeah. When you're doing it on a computer at home in the basement, 
uh, all that becomes anonymous. Yeah. It's a faceless entity that you get to assign a personality to. Yeah. I've had clients though, and you know, even changing five or 10 lots that isn't going to impact the market at all. <laughs> right. It's not going to impact anybody else personally, unless you get a lot bigger. But he had the belief that if he, that there was a one, the markets were a one pie model, then if he took a bigger piece, somebody else more deserving would get a smaller piece. And I know that sounds crazy, but that was a voice from his childhood that that when we were under hypnosis came up. And uh -huh. as a result, it sabotaged him over and over again. Interesting. I always have a habit. Uh, I'm thinking back to like since childhood mm -hmm. when it comes to like sharing. You mentioned pies and so I'm thinking of like dinner. Mm -hmm. I've always had a habit of letting everybody else eat first so that way I can take whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like to be the first to take a serving. I let everybody else get everything. Then I can just keep on, you know, as much as I want or as little as I want. Right. I wonder, wonder what the impact. You don't have to worry about conflict. Right. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What you're bringing up is so important that all these little things go into our decision process around trading. And that's why the mental game of trading is so important. If we have all these little uh, lines, you know, I, I think of Gulliver being tied down by the, what really pulled the <laughs> yeah. line. You know, maybe that's one image that a lot of us have, that we have these subconscious lines that prevent us from being aggressive and from winning. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading a book, if I can remember the title, The Dark Side, The Upside of the Dark Side. I think that's it. <laughs> and what he talks about is that if you suppress all the darker sides, anger, uh, crushing your enemy, feeling victorious, for example, if you suppress those, then you're not going to have those available. Mm -hmm. So he talked about context. In what context do you want to have that joy of victory and be able to crush somebody? If you are a sports team and, and you know, you're rooting for Kansas City in the Super Bowl, my God, you could fully root for them. There was no question. You didn't have any restrictions on uh, crushing the enemy. <laughs> right. But, if well, let me just rephrase that. So if you can take that same experience of being able to crush the enemy in a game, can we bring that to a game of life when it's appropriate? Can we bring our anger? Can we bring our willingness to win? Can we bring the ability to crush somebody? And can we do it without guilt in the, in the real world? Right. Can we? Can we? Well, I think you can. I think so. I think so. But it all boils down to that. I think the key is the context of it, right? <laughs> like when when the wife and I are playing a game, a board game, I don't need to completely dominate her. <laughs> you know, like the context is different in that situation. <laughs> oh, we're, let's not go there. We <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it's really funny, though, because I, I, I've told her before, like, I don't go easy on people either. Mm -hmm. Like, because I, I feel like that cheapens the victory. If you let somebody yeah. win, you're taking away 
oh, the, yeah. the victory from them. But at the same time, like I think subconsciously, I do have things that hold me back that keep mm-hmm. me from uh, sometimes from dominating. It, yeah. it depends on the skill gap, really. Like the the more distant the skill gap or the wider the gap in skill, the more likely I am to sure to hold myself back subconsciously. Sure. When I play a game with my grandkids, right, um, certainly is uh, a I, what, what I try to do is just stay ahead of the challenge just enough to keep them in the game, right. but also to keep them uh, a bit stressed. So, Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Right. (laughs) Actually, you mentioned context. Uh, Can I share a a moment of crushing somebody? (laughs) I went to go visit my uh, grandparents and I stayed with my aunt. My wife was with me at the time and one of my aunt's friends came by with uh, her friend brought her daughter who was like eight or nine years old at the time and was just always talking about how smart this girl was. This poor girl never, I think, lost anything in her life. And so we played we played something. I can't remember what the game was, but I just absolutely crushed her. (laughs) I felt good about it because I felt like I was teaching her that, you know, you have to learn how to lose. I felt like I was teaching a lesson in that context. Yep. There's the book. Oh, uh, just the name doesn't come to mind. But uh, the author talked about kids who were always praised, always won, always had it easy. When they get to high school or college and they have that first big loss, Mm -hmm. they're debilitated for the rest of their lives because they have no sense of resilience. Um. So, oh, the, that book, the, the Something Mine. Is it written by Darth Vader? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, having that early challenge. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, one of the problems that some traders have is that they see that uh, trading isn't justified, that, mm-hmm. you know, the money you make. Uh, so what I talk to them about is what is the justification for making money as a trader? Uh, well, everyone comes up with, we provide liquidity. And that's that's important. If there's no mm-hmm. liquidity, people don't invest, people don't move their money. Um, you know, And then there's price discovery. Why? Price discovery is important because mm-hmm. that tells you where the need is, what to develop, and what we're overrun with. So price discovery is important. Uh, so I grant all those things. Uh, a way to think about it that I prefer is, let's say you looking at something, you're at support, you purchase even just a few contracts, and the market goes higher. 
what you've done is you've moved the market even a little bit towards value. Mm -hmm. Whether you're, uh, you know, on a one minute uh, bar chart or you, you know, are trading for uh, investments for weeks at a time. Either way, no matter what the time frame, you are moving the market towards value. And the market says, oh, Kyle, my goodness, you just moved the market towards value. Let me tell you how I appreciate it. I'm going to put some money into your account. Mm -hmm. So you're actually doing something in the moment. If, on the other hand, Kyle, you buy the support, but there's no real support there. It's just lines on a computer screen and the market tanks. And the market says, Kyle, Kyle, you gave the market bad information. You moved the market away from value, but that's okay because I'm just going to pay the the bad inf- you're just going to pay the bad information fee. <laughs> right. It's the the tuition, I think is what we, we always call it. Yeah, the, yeah, you got to do that. And yep. then the final way is my goodness, market makers have been around since man has started. There's no other uh, substitute for that. It just is the way the real world is. So play the game and don't even bother taking a justification. See, I think I would lean more to that side. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's you've put in, if you've put in a lot of effort and time and been on this journey of self-discovery, like you're getting paid, you're getting rewarded for the efforts and time that you spent. But I think we talked about that in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been trying to, I need to divorce myself from that idea, I think. <laughs> well, in the real world, effort mm-hmm. and time spent don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's uh, some guy comes in and in two weeks, he's got it nailed. Some guy spends his life learning. Uh, not much difference. Bring to the marketplace. Are you moving the market towards value or away from value? That, mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. I like that. I like that. <sighs> so if you were to start making $50,000 a month, what would change in your life? Uh, hmm. I have a lot more free time. <laughs> Probably be some editors hired and some more uh, less workload. Uh, for running the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd have to worry about people wanting to borrow money mm. if I was making that kind of money. Yeah. So what would, so let's just look into that. So imagine, yep. you know, there are people in this world that are always looking to borrow money. <laughs> yep. Um, I have some very close relatives that might be in that situation. Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they come to you and say, hey, you're getting really successful. Mm-hmm. Where's um, my taste? <laughs> yeah, where's my taste? Yeah. So what is your response? Uh, typically, I just ignore them. Mm-hmm. All right, look, you're... Uh, try to say it without being callous, I guess. I think it depends okay. on the situation, really. Oh, but, sure. Sure. But like... I've worked hard for this. This is mine to enjoy and the people I choose to share it with. And I choose not to share it with you. Yeah. And I choose not to do it with you. Uh, It's hard to say that. Boy, isn't it though? Yes. That goes back to the first thing you had me say there. Yeah. I choose not to share it with you. Yeah. It stung a little less though. Yeah. 
one way to talk about it is to say, yeah, I don't loan person. I don't give personal loans. Yeah. Yeah. Period. I don't yep. give personal loans, period. Or, you know, in that way, it's like, like a rock, you know, uh, no, I don't give personal loans. No reason. No. I don't want to affect reason, our personal relationship. Yeah. Got to be really careful about giving reasons. You know, mm -hmm. say if you say, uh, I don't want to impact our personal relationship. Oh, this won't impact our personal relationship. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> so you open things up. So gotcha. if, if you just say, no, I don't give personal loans, period. Oh, because oh, oh, you're not giving them any chance to, no cracks to put their fingers in to start That's trying right. to and wedge it open. Work on your guilt and all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So okay. if I sound like... Uh, it sounds callous. Yeah. If, yeah, I'm between the story and this, I sound like an arrogant son of a bitch. <laughs> and I think that in our culture, there's been a... God, I got to be really careful here. I don't get canceled. <laughs> you, you wouldn't cancel me, would you, Kyle? Would I wouldn't. Get... Okay. I don't think we're big enough to worry about that yet. Okay. So aggressive, winning, masculine behavior has been labeled, you know, as a negative in some parts of our culture. Toxic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we're, we're toxic. When you step into the marketplace... If you bring that and, and that, you know, the, the, when, when you're in a room with a bunch of people, uh, you know, mm -hmm. context is everything. But when you step into the marketplace, in fact, this would be a good exercise. Gosh, this is interesting. This, this sounds exactly like your awakening moment. Yeah. You were trying, you're a phenomenally nice guy. Uh, from the interactions that I've had over the last two years. But that moment that you had where you said to yourself, I'm a $200,000 a year trader. That's right. my cap. And right. then you decided, no, that's not, that's not true. But you, you took that, um, what is it? That confidence, that arrogance almost. And you went and you established yourself. You, you brought that aggressiveness with you to the trading floor. Yeah, boy, that's a, that's a good memory to bring back. So I love when, that story. So if we, you know, if we're in a context of a social context mm -hmm. and we bring that same nice guy social context to the, to the floor or to the marketplace, we are depriving ourselves of our, and it's mostly men who trade, but women too. But it's the same for both. We deprive ourselves of that, you know, take no prisoners Mm -hmm. uh, I'm in this context, I am going to win. Right. Can we say that if, in fact, if people listening to that can, can say the same words that you did, can say the same things. I am here to win period and mm -hmm. say that without any constraint. I think that is a valuable exercise. I am here to win. Yeah. I'm not doing this for fun. I'm doing this to provide for my family. I'm doing mm -hmm. this to succeed. And nobody gets in the road between me and my family. Oh, hell nobody. No. Yep. Oh, that's a one way to shift that, that mentality. Yeah. Every time I feel those nice guy thoughts sticking in when I'm trying to place a trade, 
That's, mm-hmm. that's taking food out of my family's mouth. Nobody gets in between me and my family. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I look at my kids and my grandkids, and if there was a, you know, was a car heading or for them or something, and I could push them out of the way and get killed myself, mm-hmm. there's no question. You know, right. that's going to happen. Yep. So we have that ability when we consider our family to have that powerful emotion and powerful decision process and that aggressiveness. So if you can tap into that, that would be interesting to mm-hmm. see what that experience was like. Yeah. Um, hmm. I have to think of some ways to, to try to stimulate that. Maybe uh, some changes to my daily affirmation. Mm-hmm. As I like the idea of saying the words, like one, like the, the phrase that you gave me, like I plan on saying that daily now mm-hmm. to try to, cause I want to see if it, if it shifts it, if I become number to it, the more I say it. Yeah. Do you have that phrase written down and can you repeat it for the audience? Uh, let's see. As I expand my success, I invite you to come with, and if mm-hmm. you choose not to, I'm going to leave you behind. Yeah. Whew. It stung a little less that time. Okay. Are you worthy of doing that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Excellent. So for those who want to step into the master trader's mindset with the attitude that you are there to win, that there is no guilt, that you don't have to justify it to anyone, that if it changes your relationship to your community, your family, your relatives, your work people, if, if it changes all that, that you're willing to make that change. And so what we've done is, as I mentioned earlier at the start, is I've got a bunch of guided visualizations for traders. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, uh, the trader's home, and there's uh, uh, and four or five other ones that are dedicated to certain issues that traders have. And uh, I'm going to give half off if you just go to conversations.money slash three bulls. That's the number three bulls. That, three uh, bulls now? Well, two bulls. What did I say? Three bulls. I, I thought you were trying to get yourself on the show permanently. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I could, I would. <laughs> the conversations with you are just so much fun. I, it, it doesn't feel like work or an effort. It just feels like talking to a really good friend. So thank ah, you for that. Oh, good. That's one objective, Matt. Uh, yeah, this doesn't have to end. Never were. I mean, we can always uh, we can always keep it going. Come up with some other ideas or concepts we want to explore. Yeah. So the next one is going to be our conversation with money, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about traders' relationship with money because trading is all about money. And what if we have subconscious attitudes about money? And that's why I wrote the book, a private conversation with money, so that uh, we could get to the core of some of the issues that sabotage our trading. Mm-hmm. 
That was a phenomenal book too. And what was really interesting for me was to just have a different viewpoint. Like I never realized that people would have that much of an adversarial conflict mm -hmm. with money. Like I think my struggle is on the other side of it. I love it too much. Like I, I'm like the smothering girlfriend who doesn't want to ever let it go out of sight. <laughs> Hold it too tight, you know? <laughs> the smothering girlfriend. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that could be your second book is the other point yeah. of view. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, we, we've kind of figured out a way to identify some of the things that maybe hold us back. And you've given us some exercises to kind of like to feel like how those affect us. Mm -hmm. Is it just the exercises themselves can help us get over that? Or what, what else can we do to help accept those behaviors and not let them get in the way of our trading anymore? Well, what you're bringing up is, is a whole mindset around our lives. Mm-hmm. And it starts with acceptance, awareness first, and then acceptance of who we are. Can we fully accept who we are? Can we look at a mistake or something that didn't work out and say, oh, hmm, that's interesting, that didn't work out? Or are we judging ourselves and beating ourselves up? Mm -hmm. So the encouragement here is, in fact, you know, I've had uh, not just a few clients who after our work together stop trading and say, my life has changed and I no longer need trading to validate who I am. And uh, mm. I'm going to go off and do something that I really enjoy because trading is just too stressful. And I have others who said, boy, this trading and, and getting my mindset changed not only helped my trading, but you know, the relationship with my wife. Mm -hmm. So the, it's, it's the deep... Trading is one of the most challenging things that you can do. And as you work through that, you are also working through just how you want to live in the world and how you can make your life better. Trading is one of the biggest self-discovery journeys I've ever been on. And oh, I had yeah. no idea that that was going to be the case. I thought it was just going to be studying charts and learning patterns. Like I didn't realize how much of myself was interfering. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. And that's where I live and breathe. Um, and let's keep the journey going. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, uh, before we wrap up, we've got a few more minutes here. I think I'd like to just kind of talk a little bit about the journey that I've been on throughout the course of the series. Yes. One of the things that I had struggled with up until we had started this was uh, the P&L. The P&L was always a reflection of, it was like the scorecard. Mm-hmm. When the PNL is red, then I did poorly. When the PNL is green, then I did good. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm finally seeing the results of shifting that mentality away to the process. And I was just really excited to to finally start to see that that progress. Uh, I've been noticing it in my journaling. I've been noticing it in my thoughts from taking my set scores. Now, when I take, I took a trade this morning that didn't work out and. I don't remember. I did not feel any of that negativity when the trade mm. failed. Like, oh, you should have done this. Or why did you take that? Or, mm -hmm. or you're not good enough at this. No, it was, uh, mm, well, this had a high probability of success. It didn't work my way this time. We'll wait for a better opportunity. Oh, that transformation from outcome to process is just so fundamental. Mm -hmm. um, and... And once you do that and step into process, then you stick your head up 
every now and then say, okay, what's the outcome? Is the process mm -hmm. working? Okay, then I go back to just process. And what that does is it eliminates that pain of loss. You know, we have the lucrative and lousy uh, trade concept where all lucrative trades that are in a system that have potential over the large sample size, those are lucrative. And we can even, with some history, define what the uh, P&L is of every trade, whether it makes money or not, because we know that executing that is going to make you know so much money per trade. And as a result, then, every trade we make is lucrative. And that eliminates the... The, the pain that our brain squirts us with every time we take a PL loss. Mm -hmm. having, having a spreadsheet that has lots of green on it just uh, feels so good, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Kyle is referring to our mind metrics where you have all the behaviors that feel better and get you to your goals. And then you just mark them down on a trade by trade or daily basis. And you can just see that green growing. And what you say is so important. It feels good because behavioral trains, behavioral changes out of willpower and discipline and force, that's a struggle. But mm -hmm. what if, just imagine, what if you see that green growing and it feels so good that you step into the new behaviors that not only get you to your goals, honor your values, but feel good at the same time, leaving that discipline and willpower and trying behind. Mm -hmm. Well said, Rich. Well said. Oh, man, I always feel so good whenever we talk. Me too. <laughs> um, all right. Well, do we have anything else to, to cover before we wrap up then? No, not just uh, conversations.money slash two bolts. <laughs> <laughs> I might leave that in because yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. the joke. <laughs> and, um, and there will be uh, an offer there for their, our guided visualizations, which uh, I'm pretty excited about. And I think that can really be a game changer. How can we define today's, uh, this episode's homework? Homework today is noticing or is saying, okay, this is it. The phrase that you just repeated, say that and notice the physiological experience in your face, your chest, your stomach. Notice the emotional impact of that phrase and the, physio the physiology, the emotions, and the thought process that you go to through when you say that phrase. So that's the homework is to practice that phrase and to notice, just notice, no judgment. Don't need to change anything. Just notice. Just notice. And then if you have another, because I mean, that's, that's my uh, hang up too. Like if you have something else that is your fear of success, then I would say, try that. Try mm -hmm. modifying the phrase to, to, to personalize it. Absolutely. All right. Well, sounds, sounds fantastic. Easy homework this week. It seems, it sounds like it, but it's not. <laughs> It's, <laughs> it kind of stings a little bit the first few times you do it. Indeed. Sadly, folks, we've come to the end of our time with Rich, but there's no need to be sad because we've got an amazing backlog of episodes that we've done in the past with Rich that you can check out. Uh, you can visit mindmusclesfortraders.com or you can use the special link that Rich provided for us, conversations.money slash two bulls. 
Uh, and there's also his book, A Private Conversation with Money, that pairs very nicely with today's discussion. And you might want to get a, get your hands on a copy before we talk about it next month. I'd like to thank everybody for sticking around to the end. And on behalf of all the listeners, I'd like to extend a heartfelt thanks to Rich for carving out the time to lead this miniseries. Be back in your ears soon with another exciting episode. But until then, smash that five-star rating and take care. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.